Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. A special thank you to our sponsor, Equithrive. This one goes out to all the horses with the crusty necks, fleshy backs, and girthy middles. The horses who gain a few extra pounds simply by breathing air. The easy keepers on limited pastures. The folks at Equithrive know there is nothing easy about easy keepers. That's why they have formulated products just for you. Equithrive's Metabarol is a pelleted supplement that is scientifically proven to support healthy metabolic function and a healthy inflammatory response in horses. It's bona fide joint and metabolic support, all in one easy to feed pellet. Visit equithrive.com today and use the promo code HUMBLEHOOF to get 20% off your first order plus free shipping. www.equithrive.com. The more I work with hooves, the more interested I am in the body that's connected to those hooves. Horses' feet don't function in isolation, and something that's going on higher up in the horse's body is going to affect how that horse moves and how their feet wear and their soundness and their hoof health and so many other things. When a farrier in my area reached out to me and said that I absolutely had to talk to Saxon Alexandra, I knew that I was going to follow up on it. Saxon does something called structural integration therapy, and it's something that I think could be beneficial for pretty much any person or any horse. Saxon did an incredible job of explaining exactly what this is and how it works and the different anatomy involved, and I'm super excited that they were willing to chat with me about this. I hope you enjoy the conversation. So um, why don't we just start with the basics, like what is structural integration and how did you, you know, become interested in and and end up having it as your career? Yeah. So I'm Saxon Alexandra. My pronouns are they, them. I'm a non-binary advanced equine structural integration practitioner. So I grew up in Montessori school and I always loved horses. I was like a, I was like a total nerd. Like I read Podiski when I was in middle school. I was always really obsessed with classical dressage and ridden postures and ethics. I grew up in the city, so I didn't have access to horses, but they just really consumed my early life. I was a really ambitious teenager, though, so I quit riding and I started the International Baccalaureate Program. I was a full diploma candidate, and when I was 16, I got placed in a woman-dominant interdisciplinary neuroscience lab that I worked in for two years, and I kind of fell in love with biochemistry. So I went to undergrad for biochemistry, but once I got into those more traditional academic spaces, I realized that I was like really questioning my gender and there wasn't a lot of place for me, like as a woman, but much less as like a questioning trans person. So I, I kind of had a little bit of a crisis and I dropped out of my undergrad program and I went back to horses. I groomed on the upper level eventing circuits for a long time. I helped restarting thoroughbreds, but I just saw a lot of unhappy horses. And I started to have like a lot of ethical questions about that as well. Uh, And that was in Aiken. I was working in Aiken and I lived here. This is where I am right now currently. I lived here for probably about four years. And eventually I met 
Diane Zingle and Pam Echelbarger at the Equisoma Osteology Center. And I saw Diane work. She's a Blugen trained osteopath. And I was just like blown away. I had never seen anybody. I had seen a chiropractor and I was kind of starting to get interested in the idea of massages and stuff like that. But I had a very rudimentary understanding of the depth of what body work could be. And seeing Diane work and learning about the bones and spending time at the bone room. And I just, I, I was like, this is what I want to do, but I didn't really have a clear path for it. So I started doing a lot of research and I didn't know anything about structural integration, but I found the Equine Institute, which was founded by a veterinarian, Dr. Kellyanne Claybo, and a former field biologist. Dr. April Johnston. And I didn't really know what structural integration was, but I was like, these are my people. It's a two-year program. It's one of the most intense in the country. And I just, like my science background and my passion for finding these truths in in biomechanics and posture and the way we can have relationships with the horses. So I dove into that and I had my 10 series, my Rolf 10 series, and I just never looked back. (laughs) And so here I am. I have a 400-hour certificate in equine fascial integration therapy which is the we'll talk more about this in a minute but it's the specific horse version of this kind of progressive myofascial release so that's me and how I found structural integration yeah (laughs) and I heard you mentioned Pam's name so I I Okay, I totally admit that I know so little about this area of equine rehab and body work and just like like you know this kind of approach, but I've heard her name because I think she hosted a whole horse dissection with Sharon May Davis last yes, year. Yes. She does. Yes. That's and so I cool. actually was part of one of those dissections which was just absolutely incredible. The bone bitches are magical and if you were ever in Aiken then it's definitely worth spending time at the osteology center because The work that they do and their commitment to the welfare of the horses and their commitment to education is just astounding. That's so cool. Yeah. So I guess the, you know, very basic question is like, what, what is it that you do when you come, like, what is the structural integration? Like, what is that when you come to a horse? Like, what are you looking at? Right. So I think it's important to start with what is fascia. I think that yeah. The the medical research in fascia is so far behind that I think a lot of people hear about fascia and it's kind of becoming a buzzword, but I don't think a lot of people really know what it is. So fascia is the collagenous tissues that connect and protect our body. So these are tendons, these are ligaments, these are the periosteum, these are the pericardium. So to physical, like if we're going to speak about the physics of fascia, because the physics of fascia really is what makes it unique. So these are piezoelectric, they respond to piezoelectric forces, which are electrical changes in response to stress or pressure. So where there is increased stress in the body, where there is increased friction between muscle groups, then the body will lay down these collagenous tissues to try to support. The other important physical property of fascia is that it's thixotropic which means it has time-dependent properties that can change its viscosity and it can reorganize. So because of the proteins that make up fascia, this means that it's not a fluid, but it's also not rigidly solid. And with the correct kind of pressure, then we can manipulate and change fascia. So basically what I'm doing with 
structural integration is I'm looking at all of these different textures of fascia. So fascia can be, you know, like, again, we have tendons, these hold muscle to bone, and that has a certain structure that serves a certain purpose. We have, you know, ligaments serve a different purpose. The periosteum protects the bone and regulates like releasing minerals because our bones store minerals. All these different textures of fascia have different properties in the body. And not only do they, like, again, they connect and they protect. So not only are they providing physical support to the body, but they're also really important for hormone signaling. They're really important for innervation. They're actually seven times more nerves in fascia than in muscles. So if we're, when we're talking about proprioception, we're talking about our, the way we move through space, then fascia is that organ that is sort of running interference between what our brain is saying, what our organs need to be doing, what our muscles need to be doing. So this, this, this fascia is really, we are really fascial beings when we look at the grand scheme of this all. So when I'm talking about what I look for in structural integration, I am physically wanting to help all of these different textures of fascia perform as they should. Because again, with the piezoelectric charges, then when we get areas of overstress, if we get areas where the body is out of balance, then there's going to be more collagen there and things are going to start not working quite as right. So what I can do is take advantage of those thixotropic properties and use my hands to redistribute the fascia and to restore the functions of the different textures of fascia. Yeah. And so like when I think of fascia, I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong. When I think of fascia, I think of like that film that's on chicken, like the white. No, absolutely. (laughs) And so that, that film that's on chicken is the myofascia. So that myofascia helps regulate. So maybe there's a lot of cortisol in the body. So that myofascia is going to say, hey, you muscles need to be ready to go because there's like a lot of really high stress stuff going on. Whereas some of the different textures of fascia might have a different role in that sort of chemical hormone signaling situation. That's so interesting. So do you see horses that are in a high stress environment have worse sort of like fascial issues? Absolutely. So when we're like, again, if we're going to, so now that we've kind of established what fascia is, if we want to zoom out and we talk about this organization of fascia, according to stress and pressure, then naturally in our bodies, and we can dissect these out, there are myofascial meridians where there are strings of muscles, connective muscles that help and support where the collagenous tissues naturally sort of organize. So we have this in our bodies. The horses have these in our bodies. There's several different, there's lateral lines, there's dorsal lines, there's ventral lines. There's some really great illustrations available that we can totally link to in like show notes or whatever. So what I want to do is I want to look at the relative consegrity of all of these different lines. And I want to find what's functional, what's not, and help them find unity. So yes, when you have really high stress horses that are constantly in like that hollow back, high neck posture, then they're going to have different sorts of organizations of that collagen along those stress lines than a horse that is more relaxed, is moving a lot, is using its body a little bit more normally, more evolutionary appropriately. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. So the specific methodology of structural integration, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have some experience with myofascial release and this idea of not just addressing the muscles, but also addressing 
these these uh, abnormal tension patterns when we're talking about the way that collagen reorganizes in accordance to these piezoelectric force distributions. So myofascial release says, where is the horse tight? I want to give this space so that I can work better. Structural integration takes that one step further. And instead of looking at this is tight and this is tight, then I'm looking at the whole system and I'm saying, why do we have tight spaces in the first place? And how can I find unity between these different chains of um, kinetic action to help the body function in a more neutral way. So we're not getting areas of tension built up to begin with. So there's several different methods that we can do this. Uh, the most common is Ida Rolf's 10 series. That's the one that people are most familiar with. But also Tom Myers has developed a 12 series. And then what I do, the equine fascial integration therapy is specifically designed to meet the needs of the horses. So this is I mean, this is like, I have an endpoint in mind. This is not something that I'm coming out every six weeks and I'm working on your horse and it's something that you're going to need constantly. My goal is to systematically, each session builds on each other and I want the horse to reach an endpoint. So that's kind of what sets it apart from different modalities because I know a lot of horses are seeing the chiropractor every eight weeks. So I guess, you know, something I'm wondering is like, when you come to a horse, what are some of the most common issues that you come across? Oh, so, well, I guess I'll hone in on, like, foot stuff. So this work is very much contraindicated for emergencies. So I'm not working with horses that are in acute laminitis. I'm not working with horses that are, like, really having a medical emergency in the moment. I'm working with a lot of horses that have chronic flaring that just, you don't, I'm sure you've had these horses that you just, no matter what you do, then they always flare a little bit, or they always have a toe crack, or they always are something is just not quite right. And we know that the hoof is a proprioceptive organ. So again, if we're talking about the distribution of collagen along lines of tension, then a lot of those forces are coming from ground forces and coming from the hoof interacting with the ground. So we can see quite easily how this becomes a really big connection through all of these different kinetic lines of fascia. So something funny in the body and the hooves are landing funny, then we're going to get different organization of collagen. Or if there's a malformation in the hoof, then it can travel up through those same patterns of uh, tension organizations along the lines of fascia and can cause body issues. So it's very much a hand-in-hand situation. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to ask you, do you usually see it as like chicken egg or, you know, do you see one that usually precedes the other? Is it sort of, you know, hard to parse out until you start working on the horse? It really depends on the horse. I have some horses that I look at them and I can tell like this horse has been foot sore for a long time. And if the feet had been taken care of properly and it had proper sole depth, then the body would not have developed this way. But I also see a lot of horses that I can see the dysfunction in their feet and I can tell maybe they were started too young and they didn't really develop their muscles properly. Maybe they have really, really tight pelvis and that has contributed to some less than ideal hind limb posture, which has contributed to maybe some negative palmar angles in the hind limb. Or I know you have Celeste Lazarus on and he talks about thoracic sling collapse. So when those horses are not using their bodies properly and all of that fascia is reorganizing to try to protect from the weakness where the muscles are not inflating, the muscles are not correctly developed then that can travel down into the foot and we can also get foot problems that way. It really depends on the horse. They're all really individuals. 
A special thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Cavallo. For our Humble Hoof listeners, they are offering 20% off their Cavallo Trek hoof boots using the coupon code HRN at checkout. The Trek is the world's most popular and versatile hoof boot and Cavallo's toughest trail boot, while also doubling as an option for therapy or rehab. The front closure system makes it easily adaptable to various hoof shapes, and the TPU upper design allows for maximum strength while minimizing weight for the comfort and ease of movement for your horse. These are recommended by vets and trainers and also loved as transport boots by barrel racers, ship jumpers, dressage riders, and everyone in between. Again, for 20% off a pair of treks, use the code HRN at checkout at cavallo-inc.com. Can you think of like a specific case that you worked on where maybe their body issue was leading to hoof issues or vice versa? Like some interesting case that you've seen? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually have one in mind that I would love to talk about because I worked really closely with Jen Poulin on this case. Oh, yeah. She's so great. Oh, my gosh. She's amazing. She is so wonderful. So this uh, he's um, so when I met him, he was 14. He's a 17 to Hanoverian gelding and he had been started as a dressage horse and his person had been through the Rolf series. And originally she reached out to me because she really wants to get her bronze medal. She really wanted to get her flying changes. And he just could, he just couldn't do the flying change. He had been, he'd had line, but was on, he'd had that under control. His line titers were under control. He had been a little bit like kind of metabolic, not enough that he really needed percent, but enough that like a little bit of percent really helped him. And she's a nurse. So she had gotten all of these things under control and she, you know, had binders and binders of, chiropractic sheets she had binders of the acupuncturist i mean she'd had his hawks injected she'd done all of these things and she just couldn't get her flying changes so she showed me videos what i saw was not a horse with a training issue i saw a horse that just you just physically couldn't couldn't find the connection between all of those kinetic lines of fascia he just couldn't make the connection when I met him, so he had previously been in a two-degree wedge, and I think that you probably see this in a lot of your lime horses, where they kind of have that weird shifting lameness in the hind end. Yeah. So he had been in two-degree wedges. Jen had got him to the point that he was in an open heel shoe all around. So when I met him, he had made quite a bit of progress just with Jen trimming his feet. And we were able to kind of, I mean, his hind end was just like, does just like rock hard like he didn't want you to touch his tail he wasn't he's a very kind horse and he wasn't rude he wasn't aggressive but you could tell that he was hard it took him a while to warm up he needed a chiropractor every six weeks um and so i've been working with him i brought him through the full series and we've done quite a bit of post series work with him so at this point in time i guess it's been about a year and a half through we transitioned him out of open heel shoes into caudal support pads and he was in caudal support pads for probably about I don't know maybe six or eight months and about three or four shoeing cycles ago Jen pulled his shoes off and now he is barefoot that's so Um, cool (laughs) it's really interesting and when his vet came out to do his the vet chiropractor came out to do his blood work and stuff for the fall then she was like he doesn't need to be adjusted (laughs) he doesn't need anything done like he's in a good solid place and I don't think he's had a chiropractic adjustment in two or three months and this was a horse that was seeing the chiropractor every six weeks I mean and there's still a lot of things that 
you know, it's sort of like a never ending process. There's always more to tweak. There's always things to improve. But overall, he is a very different horse from when I met him. (laughs) Yeah. And so you're talking about these series, like, is there typically a time frame that it takes or is it different for every horse? Yeah. So I think that a lot of that depends on the horse and a lot of that depends on the goals of the person. Like I said, getting this Hanoverian where he is today has taken the better part of two years. He's had, he's had way more than six sessions. I think he's probably had about 10 or 12 sessions at this point because his owner is very invested in getting her bronze medal on him. And I, she really wants to do right by this horse. And he had a lot of, I mean, he'd been, he was 14. He was ridden this way, you know, I mean, there's so much that can build up and the stronger these patterns of holding are, the more difficult it is to unwind them. So I actually have the easiest time structurally integrating horses that have kind of just been like hanging out in a field, not really doing a lot. Not that they're not fit, but they don't have, they're, they don't have a person on their back influencing these, you know, telling them to carry their head too low or putting side reins on them or, putting on a saddle that doesn't fit. I mean, there's so many things that can affect the way we carry ourselves. So it really depends. The first three sessions, I do the superficial tissues, I do the legs, and I do the ribs and the spine. So I kind of, the first three sessions, I really go through the anatomy. I make space for each individual muscle. I make space for all the joints to start working properly. And that I usually, sometimes I do it in a week and I smush them really close together and I kind of say, hey, you are really dysfunctional. We really need to get you into better patterns, you know, like this really needs to change because you're really going to cause some damage to yourself. Uh, Some horses, a lot of horses that have had emotional trauma or some of these other, maybe they've had old injuries, maybe they have arthritis and they kind of need some of these what we would consider less than ideal in like a performance horse, sometimes a horse with arthritis kind of needs to be held up a little bit differently. So sometimes I give those guys more like a week to two weeks in between the first sessions. And then after that, the sessions four, five, and six are spread out more like six to eight weeks, depending on the horse again. And it depends on the rider's goals as well. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's amazing that you have an end in mind. That's what I really think is so fascinating is like you said, there's so many there's so many things like therapies and modalities that are offered where it's just like continued forever. And yes, so it's really cool absolutely. that this is like a program that targets certain things. And then you have this like graduation date that you're working towards, which is so cool. Absolutely. I think that it's, it's really important. I mean, again, I won't, I, I want to give bodies a better way to function in their daily lives. And I think what I see a lot is not only do owners get better performance out of their horses, but the horses are so much more comfortable. I know that when I went through my 10 series, you know, after I had dropped out of school and I had this like really emotional, I mean, and I've did, I've had a lot of reckoning to do with my gender and the way that I move through the world and having the 10 series not only gave me better connection in my body, like physically, like my riding has changed. I realized how much of my structure I was fighting against and like beating myself up because I felt like I didn't practice enough, but it was really just this disorganization in my fashion. I just couldn't find some of these positions or some of these aids that I was trying to give or some of the timing. But the other part is that being in touch with my body and having this sort of 
connection through my body has really helped me regulate myself. And I see this in the horses a lot, that the horses I bring through the series that are very nervous, they're very wary of me, maybe they have behavioral issues, issues on the ground. Obviously, taking away some of that low-grade physical discomfort really helps them, but giving them a sense of, I mean, I guess I can't speak for the horses, but based on my own experience, it's like giving them a sense of who they are and where they are in space and like being able to ground themselves can be really powerful for them because they don't have an ego. Like they don't get defensive. They don't tell me no. They are so open to my suggestion and they're so willing to work and to change, even if it's hard for them. And more often than not, I really see them even out and come into themselves. Often after session three, then they're just like, it's like, wow, <laughs> like I didn't know that horse was in there. Like you've really come into yourself. It's really, really interesting. But when we think about how important fascia is for hormone signaling and how densely innervated it is, then it makes sense. This is like the connection between our brain and our bodies. You know, I mean, the health of your fascia is so important and I, I can't wait for it to become a bigger part of the conversation in human health and in horse health, because I think that everybody should have an opportunity to have this work. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm thinking about this, like, you know, when I'm coming to cases of horses that have, you know, distal limb soft tissue injuries, like, uh, or even a soft tissue injury in the hoof capsule, like usually what I'm thinking is that this is a repetitive strain type injury. Like this horse didn't, I mean, sometimes they do go out and like whack something and, and tear a ligament or whatever, but usually I'm thinking of it, I think of it as like this horse is moving improperly over and over again over time. So my thought, like, as I'm listening to this is like, is this something that would be good for those horses that are just like not moving properly for whatever reason? and causing injury that way. Cause I know that you said that you don't work on horses that have acute injuries, right? Right. Right. I like them to be um, like pretty well healed and stabled first. Okay. So I think the, the first thing is that there are a lot of things that can contribute to body dysfunction, right? Like we were talking about if a horse is constantly in stress, then they're always going to have that head up on alert posture. If they have a saddle that doesn't fit, if they're constantly in draw reins, if they are shot in open heel shoes, I mean, there's so many things that can contribute to the dysfunction. So a lot of the conversations I have with owners, I mean, and, and uh, nutrition too, you know, if they have hindgut dysfunction, if they have ulcers, then they're not going to be able to really actualize their bodies. Even with my work, there's only so much that I can do if they're extenuating factors. So a lot of the work that I do with, with um, owners and with other professionals, I really, like I said, I, I love to work with Jim pool and she's amazing. And, she really nails down the hoof piece and she really nails down the nutrition piece. So I'm really trying to get to the root of a lot of these causes. But um, once we can put some rhyme and reason to why the horse is moving in a, in a dysfunctional way, then yes, this work is very, very effective for correcting those movement imbalances. That's really cool. Yeah. Cause I feel like that sometimes is a sticking point when you have horses that like, yes, you can heal this injury, but if they're just going to do it again, because their body is not moving properly, then you're going to just uh, see re-injury. Yes, absolutely. And it's the same with those horses that really need chronic chiropractic. I mean, there's only so much you can do by just shoving the bones back. If you don't address the underlying, I mean, fascia is so vast. It's through our whole body. If you don't address the tensegrity and the imbalance in that, then your, your chiropractic's not going to hold. Right. Yeah. And so one, something you mentioned a little bit ago was about hoof flaring. And obviously like I'm a hoof care provider. I focus so much on feet and there are definitely horses that have these like 
chronic flares that I typically, like if I have a flare that I really can't get rid of, I typically see it as like an issue higher up in the body. So do you see horses that have had chronic flaring that then that goes away with this kind of work? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, it's, I have had success helping correct flaring, helping correct. And again, um, so I think that something I know that a lot of the people that listen to your podcast are professionals as well as, you know, horse owners. So I think that if you are a hoof professional and you have these horses that have these chronic issues and you're interested in working with someone like me, then I think it's really important for you to be willing to change the way you trim the hoof as the body is loading that hoof differently. That's something that I love about Jen is when she takes, even in a shod horse, she will take all of the shoes off. She will leave the horse for a few minutes so that the feet can spread out. And then she, she will like get down on her hands and knees and she will look at the way the horse is standing. She will watch them walk. She will look at how the loading has changed and she will adjust. She doesn't just trim like this is how I've always done him. She's willing to be dynamic and to listen to what the horse needs in that moment. And because again, it goes very back and forth. If I am trying to fix things, make space in the body, maybe we have a horse that really loads very medially and is flaring laterally and I need to make space in that sternum so that they can start loading on the outside of their foot a little bit better. Maybe they're just really restricted there. And so they have that medial loading pattern just by virtue of the muscles they can access through their fascial system. But if you're trimming the foot the same way you have for the last two or three years, then the body is going to still be taking in those forces and sometimes my work won't hold. So this really has to be a collaborative effort between body workers like me and hoof care professionals like you. But yes, once you change the body mechanics and you give the body access to different parts that it hasn't been using, then the, the changes in the hoof can be pretty incredible. Yeah. And, you know, as you're talking about working with people who do this kind of work, like, is there like a, a database or some website you can go to to see people who are certified in this kind of approach? So or are you the only one not, who does it? <laughs> I'm not the only one, but there aren't very many of us. The school that I went to, there were four people in my class. We do have, you can go to the equineinstitute.org. There's a list of us that you can find. We're kind of scattered around, but I'm kind of one of the go-to people in the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. I'm the only person in New England. I'm the only person that's regularly in South Carolina. Um, there are other schools that teach structural integration for horses but a lot of those schools teach kind of human approaches that have been applied like kind of to horses ish esque but this equine institute program is really the only school that teaches a very structured series in the spirit of Ida Rolf's 10 series that is available so there there is a place that people can go but there's not very many of us um, I would say if people are interested in this kind of work the best way to learn more about it is to experience it themselves like for like a human version? Yep. So if you go to rolf.org, there's a widget to find a practitioner by zip code. And it's very important that you see someone that went to the Rolf Institute or the Guild for Structural Integration. Those are some of the more like the longstanding institutes. I mean, any structural integrator will help you experience this, but I think you'll have the best results from a from a certified Rolfer. <laughs> yeah. It's just like any other. I, I know that the bodywork industry in general is very underregulated. That's something that I really pride myself on is that I am going to be one of the first structural integration practitioners to be able to sit for 
a national certifying, like an independent certifying exam for structural integration. And I also have a massage certification. So we're yeah, still waiting for the amazing. test to be written. But this is a very new modality in the horses and there's not a lot of us. So right. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Yeah. Go on. Yes, it is amazing. But if people are interested in learning more and if you are a horse person like I am and you only ever clean stalls with your right hand, then you definitely have structural imbalances <sighs> and getting rolfed will help you. And I'm sure people like you, like you are bent over underneath a horse for the majority of your work day. I mean, being a farrier is not easy on your body. So yeah. professionals alike, I mean, this is such beneficial work. Yeah. I was just complaining to my husband that I did something yesterday to my like right shoulder blade. I'm like, Oh my goodness. And I don't even notice the time. It's like, I wake up broken. I don't know what happened. <laughs> right. Right. But I mean, you have these, because of Edo Rolf says that where it is, it ain't. So generally where we're feeling pain is not really the structural imbalance. That's just the muscle that have be- started to compensate. Oh yeah. And a lot of people don't think about it that way. Right. No, that's so cool. And that's why this work is so different because I'm not saying, oh, this horse has a short stride on the left hind. I'm going to go into the left hind and I'm going to make space in the glute muscles. I'm saying, okay, so this horse is having a really short stride in the right hind. What could be contributing? Like, it looks like maybe they're slamming their foot down. So probably the psoas is tied. And we know that, again, like Celeste talks about with the thoracic sling collapse that can cause a lot of tension in the lower back. So then I'm looking at is how is this horse ridden? Are they always in a head up posture? Do they have good neck muscling? Are they, are there evidence of nerve impingement in the shoulders? I'm looking at the whole body and not just saying, oh, this is bad. I'm going to fix it. I want to restore the whole, the whole system of the whole organism to a place of neutrality. So I guess a question that I have is like, this is so interesting to me and I want to learn more about it. Are there clinics or classes that someone who doesn't want to do this professionally can take just to understand it a little more? Like, do you ever offer clinics? Is that something that you do? Uh, I would be happy to. So something that I do quite frequently, uh, and this is specifically, so I spend my winters in Aiken and I do summers in Northwestern Vermont. And I actually have been doing, we call them collected connection workshops i work with a certified rolfer who is very interested in rider biomechanics and we go to barns and we bring horses and humans through the series simultaneously so the the human series has 10 sessions and the horse series series has six sessions so we've worked out session timings so we can bring the horse and the human through this work simultaneously um and that is with kayla and mcgowan of full body connection she is incredible. She does a lot of social media outreach. She talks about fascia. She talks about rolfing and um, proper movement and things you can do at home to help some of the more common things that we deal with as like so active physical beings that walk around on two legs because none of that makes sense at all. <laughs> yeah, right. And the experience. I think that seeing these people af- getting after they go through the three series and their horse goes through the three series and they get in the saddle for the first time. And they're just like, I didn't know riding could be this way. <laughs> yeah. um, so I do, I do quite a bit of that. We're kind of limited to Vermont in that way. I travel quite a bit. So if anybody is listening, that is also a rolfer or a body worker of any kind and wants to work with me, please reach out. Um, or if you're interested in hosting me, Alicia, I'd be happy to come and talk to people. Yeah. That'd be so cool. As far as I know, again, there are scattered myofascial 
these practitioners that will talk about biomechanics. Um, I know the Equine Natural Movement School offers a hundred hour certificate in just like basic structural integration techniques that might be a good option for someone who just kind of wants some tools in their toolkit or some things to do with their horses. Uh, or, you know, if they have another bodywork practice, if maybe they're a massage practitioner, they want to know more about that. I'm not sure specifically about the, the movement piece. <laughs> that is something the, the Equine Institute's program is, it's all or nothing. There's no option to take leveled. If you go through the program, then you go all the way through the program and it's the full two year, 400 hour certification program, yeah. which is a lot for most people. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, as far as I know, there aren't any that I, that I feel are a very high caliber. And I would be happy to be wrong if someone that's listening knows about this, of these sort of movement, um, like a, like a thinkific or an online class or something like that. I'm not really aware of anything that, that I would feel comfortable referring people to, unfortunately. But that's just kind of the nature. Like, this is very new work. And eventually it will be more prolific because it's just so gosh darn effective. But as of right now, if anybody's interested in hosting me, I would be happy to come and speak with you in your barn. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, awesome. I mean, those are all the questions I had, except like if okay. you have any last minute advice for owners who are interested in this kind of approach. Yeah. So I think something that's really important to note that if you are, if you're going to embark on this journey with your horse and in your body, then you need to be willing to be humble because you, you might end up taking some steps back. I mean, if you like, again, this Hanoverian that I've been talking about, when he finished his three series, he, he really had to go back. I mean, he was working third level and almost confirmed at third level. And uh, he went back with his person and they spent probably six months just doing really basic stuff at first and second level. They really had to take a step back because when I'm changing how the horses are moving their bodies, then <laughs> you're going to get a different experience. And it might not always be sometimes you have to regress to progress. And I think that a lot of people will recognize the same in their bodies. So this is not a, this is not a, um, a moving forward therapy, a performance enhancement therapy. It is, and it can be in the long term if we, um, if we support it with, with proper movement and good shoeing, good nutrition, good tack fit, good riding practices, good ethics then it can enhance performance in the long term. But in the short term, it is very much an unwinding therapy an unwinding of compensation and unwinding of unhealthy loading patterns. So I think that anybody interested in embarking on this journey is going to need to be ready to be humble and to be willing to change their path and to be willing to change their expectations for their horse. And again, like I was talking about, if you are a person and you're working with a structural integrator with a horse and you shoe professionally or you are a body worker of some other kind then be ready to change your expectations for that horse to change the way that you're shooing to change the way that you're approaching training sessions because that horse is going to need your support and their adjustment if they're going to be able to actualize their potential in the long term yeah absolutely and that makes so much sense i mean i i say that to owners too of just you know being willing to be open-minded and adjust things as needed Absolutely. It's, it's hard to do. It can be a very humbling process. I know that when I was going through my 10 series, I spent a lot of time just like crying on the floor, like, yeah. Oh my God, like, 
there's so much stored tension and frustration and you know it, it all comes out when you start moving better and you start listening to your body and you enhance that conversation it can really be a different experience yeah absolutely Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was like so much more in depth than I realized. And I I love it. Like, I think it's so great. Like I can't wait to explore it more. And it's something that I feel like I really want to dive into because it seems like it's, it would be such a game changer for so many horses. In my experience, it is, it is, it never ceases. Like I am still, I fin. I've just finished actually a three yesterday and I'll do a couple more threes tomorrow. And it's just like, Watching them walk away after that session is just like, holy cow, I cannot believe that you are the same horse. It's really incredible. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, I can't wait. I'll have to connect with you when you're back in New England and maybe I can either come shadow you, you can come here. Like that would be so cool to connect. That would be amazing. And I think that like, again, uh, the rolfer that I work with, Kayla Ann, is very, she's on the rolf board and one of her jobs is to help make videos and educational content for the school and so I know that she loves having conversations like this so if people are interested and you ever want to have us on to talk more about the rider horse connection and how the Rolf series and the EFIT series can change the riding experience and some of the hoof things that come along with that then we would be I'm sure she'd be into that as well so yeah for sure all right perfect well thank you so so much. much I hope you have a great rest of your day Yeah, you too. All the best with the new facility. Thanks. All right. We'll chat soon. All right. Bye. Bye. I always say that I'm slightly more hoof obsessed than the average person. And chances are, if you're listening to a hoof care podcast, you are too. So we should probably be friends. Feel free to find me on Facebook or email me at thehumblehoof at gmail.com.